0: Good morning. My name is Jacqueline and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the AutoNation Fourth Quarter 2020 Earnings Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, press the pound key. Thank you. I would now like to turn the call over to Rob Cortero, Vice President of Investor Relations. You may begin your conference.
1: Thank you. Good morning. Welcome to AutoNation's fourth quarter and full year 2020 conference call and webcast. Leading our call today will be Mike Jackson, our Chief Executive Officer, and Joe Lauer, our Chief Financial Officer. Following your remarks, we will open up the call for questions. I will be available by phone following the call to address any additional questions that you may have. Before we begin, let me read our brief statement regarding forward-looking comments. Certain statements and information on this call, including any statements regarding our anticipated financial results and objectives, constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of the Federal Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Such forward-looking statements involve known and unknown risks that may cause our actual results or performance to differ materially from such forward-looking statements. Additional discussions of factors that could cause our actual results to differ materially are contained in a press release issued earlier today and in our SEC filings, including our most recent annual report on Form 10-K and subsequent quarterly reports on Form 10-Q and current reports on Form 8-K. And now I'll turn the call over to AutoNation's Chief Executive Officer, Mike Jackson. Good morning, and thank you for joining us Today, we
2: reported all-time record quarterly results with adjusted EPS from continuing operations of $2.43, an increase of 94% compared to last year. During the fourth quarter, same-store revenue increased $265 million, or 5%, compared to the prior year, as solid growth in new use and customer financial services revenue was partially offset by declining customer care, which has experienced a slower recovery correlated with lower-miles driven. New vehicle inventory levels remain constrained, and we expect demand to exceed supply for an extended period. Given these dynamics, we remain focused on optimizing our business in the current operating environment. We expect industry sales to approach 16 million in 2021, with strong retail sales growth compared to last year. We've seen a solid growth in 21, with January trends in line with our annual forecast. For the quarter, same-store total variable gross profit per vehicle retailed increased $765, or 21%, compared to the prior year. Same-store new vehicle gross profit per vehicle retailed increased $919, or 50%, and same-store used vehicle gross profit per vehicle Retail increased $127, or 9%, compared to the prior year. We drove significant SG&A leverage in the quarter. Adjusted SG&A as a percentage of gross profit was 63.8% for the quarter, representing an 820 basis point improvement compared to the fourth quarter of 2020. We remain committed to operating below 68% SG&A as a percent of gross profit on a long-term basis. We are continuing our opportunistic capital allocation strategy that balances investing in our business and returning capital to shareholders. We expect to allocate capital towards the AutoNation USA expansion, share repurchase, and franchise acquisitions. Today, we announced our board authorized an additional $1 billion to share repurchase. From October 22nd through February 12th, we brought back 6 million shares, or 7% of our outstanding shares. We remain on track to open five new Alternation USA stores by the end of this year. The stores will be located in Austin, Phoenix, and San Antonio, and two stores in Denver. We also entered the planning phase to open an additional 10 AutoNation USA stores in 2022. These stores will benefit from the AutoNation brand and its proven customer-friendly processes. We have set the long-term goal of selling over 1 million combined new and used retail units per year. We recently announced that we have enhanced AutoNation Express, our integrated retailing solution, that provides customers with a seamless and intuitive intuitive, omni-channel shopping and purchase experience. AutoNation Express is powered by real-time customer insights that provide a highly personalized, mobile, optimized, step-by-step digital experience. I'll now turn the call over to Joe.
3: Thank you, Mike, and good morning, everyone. As Mike highlighted, today we reported adjusted net income from continuing operations of $213 million, or $2.43 per share, versus $113 million, or $1.25 per share, during the fourth quarter of 2019. This represents an all-time high quarterly EPS and a 94% increase year-over-year. Results were driven by solid growth in new, used, Customer financial services profitability partially upset by a decline in customer care. During the quarter, new vehicle demand continued to exceed supply, while our Will will Buy Your Car program supported our used vehicle inventories. Fourth quarter 2020 adjusted results exclude a non-cash accounting loss of $62 million after tax or 70 cents per share associated with our equity investment in Broome. Moving to the balance sheet and liquidity, our cash balance at quarter end was $570 million, which combined with our additional borrowing capacity resulted in total liquidity of approximately $2.3 billion at the end of December. Note, in January of this year, we paid the maturity of our $300 million, 3.35% senior notes from available cash on our balance sheet. Our covenant leverage of debt to EBITDA declined to 1.8 times at the end of the fourth quarter, down from 2.0 times at the end of the third quarter. Including cash and use for plan availability, our net leverage ratio was 1.3 times at year end. During the fourth quarter, we sold 3.1 million shares of our equity investment in room for proceeds of $105 million. Early in 2021, we sold our remaining shares of Broome for proceeds of $109 million, so in total, we, we realized a cash gain of $165 million on our investment. automation remains committing, committed to delivering shareholder value through capital allocation, which includes attractive organic growth opportunities, a disciplined acquisition strategy, and opportunistic share repurchase. Our AutoNation USA expansion provides an attractive growth opportunity, and we remain on track to open five new AutoNation USA stores in 2021, an additional 10 in 2022, as Mike addressed earlier. During the fourth quarter, we repurchased 4.7 million shares of common stock for an aggregate price of $302 million. Year-to-date in 2021 through February 12th, we repurchased an additional 1.3 million shares for an aggregate purchase price of $95 million. Today, as Mike mentioned, we also announced that our board has increased our share repurchase authorization by an additional $1 billion. With the increased authorization, the company has approximately $1.1 billion available for additional share repurchase. And as of February 12th, there were approximately 82 million shares outstanding, excluding the dilutive impact of certain stock awards. Looking ahead, We will continue to balance investing in our business with opportunistic share repurchase and acquisitions. With that, I will turn the call back over to Mike.
2: Thank you, Joe. 2020 was an unimaginable year, but our associates came together and delivered record results. We sold our 13th million vehicle in December, the only automotive retail in history to do so. We have raised over $25 million in the fight against cancer. We created the largest and most recognized automotive retail brand, and we did it one sale, one service, one vehicle at a time. The acknowledgement and brand awareness continued when AutoNation was recognized for the third year in a row, according to reputation.com, as having the number one reputation score for public auto
4: retailers.
2: In 21, we are celebrating There's 25 years of leadership,
4: and, and 80, innovation,
2: excellence, and recognition as, the most admi- as one of the most admired companies in the world by Fortune Magazine. AutoNation was the highest-ranked automotive retailer on the list. Congratulations to all 21,000 AutoNation associates for achieving such tremendous success. We'll now take your questions.
3: Operator?
0: I would now like to remind you that if you'd like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. Again, that is star one on your telephone keypad. Your first question comes from John Murphy from Bank of America. Your line is open.
5: Uh, Good morning, guys, and congrats on um, a great quarter and execution here. Um, Mike just it's just a, it's a first question on on, on the cap allocation because it seems like you you turned on the spigot again on on share buybacks, which you know seems like it you know makes sense. So I mean, you guys have been good you know stewards of capital over time, but you know when you juxtapose that versus the opportunity on automation, um, you know Express and, and what you can do with this omnichannel approach, I'm, I'm just curious if, if you think that Express is, is where it needs to be or if a, a lot more capital needs to be you know put there to really you know ramp it up and, and advertise it to get some of the um, you know, some of the hot sauce routine or some other names to put it you know put it put it politely. Um, I, I'm just curious if you know what you think you need to do there. If it's a question of capital or advertising or emphasis and, and how do you judge supposed versus you know, buybacks and acquisitions. Excellent
1: excellent
2: question. Uh, John I'll go first and then I'll turn it over to Joe. Um, so, look, uh, the first priority on investment is the company, and we're making a significant and have made a significant investment in digital that uh, is remarkable, the capabilities. We've built a platform that uh, uh, has the capability to perform for the entire enterprise day in, day out. Uh, and that surge investment period is, thankfully, uh, behind us, and we have the performance performance that we need and we want. We, of course, will, on a sustainability basis, continue uh, to uh, invest in digital, but the surge investment period is behind us. We're continuing to invest in our USA stores. We're very confident and optimistic uh, about it. And here you're absolutely right, John. We intend in 22 with uh, some of our 10 new stores uh... to move into new markets where we're not today and we have budgeted additional communication that as we don't rely on markets where the AutoNation brand is strong and established that we will need incremental uh... marketing dollars for that but uh... investment in u.s.a. we will also do uh... i expect some uh, acquisitions in new vehicle franchises that fit our strategy and our uh, footprint, and we expect that to happen. And, and now I'll turn it over to Joe, because we are in the position that we can do it all with very low leverage on the company. And, Joe, uh, why don't you take it from there?
3: Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I, I, To reinforce, you know, you take the extremely strong cash flow and an under leveraged balance sheet. Uh, we really do have the wherewithal, and, frankly, there are very attractive opportunities in front of us. As Mike said, the first priority is always going to be to reinvest in the business, uh, which we have been doing and will continue to do. As Mike said, the the significant investment in digital is behind us, uh, and in front of us is the opportunity on AutoNation USA, which we see uh, very attractive returns. Beyond that, as Mike said, we are going to continue to be opportunistic in M&A. We do have a pipeline, uh, but we'll maintain discipline and then continue to believe there's tremendous value in our stock, uh, we have obviously uh, been active in that historically, uh, including recently, and we we'll continue to do
5: that going forward. And, and just a, a follow-up to that, it seems like the, the, the attitude of the automakers towards um, the cells and the, the larger groups as, as far as approvals on, um, you know, franchise um, you know acquisitions seem to be either loosening up or, you know, moving more towards collaboration, uh, if you will. Are you seeing that? And, and could we see you know automation, as you, you said, you know utilize your underlevered balance sheet to to make um, you know bigger and, and, and maybe more robust as opposed to one Z and 2 Z acquisitions?
3: Joe, could you take that please? Sure. Uh, so I, I think uh, it's hard to say across the entire spectrum how the OEMs are feeling. I can tell you, as we've looked at opportunities, we're very mindful of uh, location, uh, relationship, and uh, we do believe there are very viable opportunities for us to acquire within the constraints that are often imposed, uh, so we don't see that as an inhibitor to our strategy, albeit one that's very focused and disciplined
5: okay that's helpful and then just just lastly you know mike you know i think some of us um or maybe a lot of us would, would love you to stick around forever um but there's you know this, this search going on and i'm just curious if you can give us an update on you know, how that's progressing you know timing you know how we should think about that stuff um yes absolutely guess, yeah, if, if, if you are stuck around as chairman you know would, would you You know, are you going to remain on, on the board
2: so we actually are taking a step today uh, you know, because two things. As I look at success, succession, as we previously announced in 2019, um, we will split the role of chairman and CEO, uh, uh with my departure. And, um, uh, we've taken the step of, uh, going ahead and doing that because, uh, we have a long-serving director, Rick Burdick, who's 30 years plus with the company, two years as, lead director very successful so the board met yesterday and selected and elected Rick Burdick as uh, the chairman of the company so this gives a lot should give everyone a lot of confidence and trust that uh, we have the right way forward we have someone from and then the company assuming this responsibility Rick will also lead the search for the new CEO which will kick off in the spring uh and but half the half the uh equation is already answered
5: uh with Rick becoming chairman got it okay thank you very much guys
0: your next question comes from Brett Jordan from Jefferies your line is open
3: hey good morning guys good morning
6: when you're sourcing used inventory and obviously you're talking about we'll buy your car um are you seeing any recent changes in the competitive landscape obviously Mm -hmm. others trying to execute that strategy or possibly some of the competitors being more aggressive with maybe negative equity financing to attract trades um away from you um you know just sort of landscape on used inventory
2: Yes, we've been, uh, um, very successful in our pre-owned business. As you see, we've outperformed the marketplace, uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, with an increase in revenue in the fourth quarter of, uh, 12%, which is, uh, quite impressive. And, uh, of those vehicles we retailed, uh, fully, uh, 85% came, uh, from internal efforts of Autonation. We either took them as in trade or we'll buy your car or we took them in from off lease. Uh, so it, it, the machine that we've created is quite impressive. And, um, you know, I view it as an arbitrage business that our ability to acquire inventory at uh, the right price and pay a fair price to our uh, uh cons- customers and then recondition it at speed and get it uh, on the front line and present it in a one-price environment to our customer is obviously a winning formula of this combination of brand, customer uh, experience, and digital capability. Uh, We think it's sustainable. It's one of the reasons we're investing in USA. Uh, So um, five more stores this year, 10 more stores next year.
6: Okay. Great. And then a follow-up on customer care. Um, you sort of called out that, and obviously, vehicle miles travel being down is is impacting service demand. But have you seen any cadence of improvement as VMT has come back? And I guess in that theory, we should be lapping, the last of the negative comps should be run right about now when we start going against the real declines in VMT in March and April of last year. Is that a fair way to think about it?
2: it is um we we um obviously from the dramatic lows we are uh past that uh we estimate at the moment that uh, miles driven at the, are down about uh ten percent uh, our actual customer care business in the fourth quarter is down four mm, or five percent something like that and um so we view it as a gradual recovery and obviously we have opportunity against the extreme situation that existed when the first pandemic broke out and the shutdown, um, and shelter in place. Joe, why don't you talk about how you think, uh, customer care will unfold, uh, this year?
3: Thanks, Blake. Yeah. And I'll just reiterate. So, um, again, as you look at kind of the business recovering, if you think about the brackets, customer pay, warranty, have all uh, recovered. Um, uh, internal, obviously, with the volume of business we're doing, has actually recovered quite nicely. It's collision that has uh, lagged, as Mike indicated, really driven by the miles. As you look out through the year, and you're correct, it's really going to be starting in April that we saw the significant decline associated with COVID, uh, April, May in particular, being two months that were Dramatically impacted, as you recall, us talking about last year. Um, but really, I think you're going to see throughout Q2, Q3, and even into Q4 uh, favorable comps year-over-year year, uh, in the customer care business, in particular as collision. I think will recover as miles as miles driven recover through the course of the year uh, with the benefit of the vaccine and, if you will, the continued reopening of the country. Okay, great, thank you. Sure.
0: Your next question comes from Rajat Gupta from JP Morgan. Your line is open.
4: Oh, hi. Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, yeah, you, know, you provided some color on the new vehicle business in January. You know, how it's tracking in line with the forecast. Um, any color on how, like, the used uh, vehicle business is performing? You talked about the inventory levels and the sourcing, but. Uh, any color on how the the unit comps have been tracking so far uh, year to date? You know, January, you know, early part of February here. Um, and you you talked about the parts and services business also. You know, more on the buyer driven side. Uh, and has the customer pay and warranty work uh, started to come back pretty quickly? I'm assuming there's some pent of demand there uh, that should uh, that should continue to flow through. So just just curious, about your thoughts there? And I have a follow up.
2: So our our view is that the new vehicle business will improve by about 7% uh, this year, approaching 16 million units. There is demand for higher volume than that, but I don't see a path on the production side uh, to there. But it's a very opaque, uncertain, disrupted uh, situation on the production side, where you now have this combination impact of the pandemic with the uh, shortages of the chips to produce vehicles. One of the things we went through um, when production was resumed after the shutdowns was uh, manufacturers made vehicles uh, without even having all the parts and then parked them uh, for completion. That turned out to be a fiasco, and we literally had vehicles that we were told were ours and were on the way that didn't show up for six, seven, eight months. And so the manufacturers have stopped that practice and really don't produce unless they have a sight line to all the parts. And and when this combination of the pandemic and the chip shortage is going to clear, I don't think anyone really knows. So uh, I, I think the demand is there. Clearly, I think if you look at the extremes of last year and you sort of smooth that out, I think it's uh, fairly safe. A uh, statement to say that uh, new volume will be up 7% this year. Uh, the demand is there. Um, and, and January tracked along that line. I think the pre-owned business uh, for the industry is probably relatively stable, um, but uh, I think we will outperform uh, as we did in the fourth quarter. That's our goal um availability as i said we we look to generate as much on our own means and terms as we can we've been very successful at that we'll continue working at that and customer care you know again it's a it's a situation of miles driven and when do people fully resume the behavior that existed pre-pandemic, mm, that could take a while. I don't know exactly. Joe, what would you like to add to that?
3: Uh, let, me, let me touch a couple things. Uh, one, you know, going to the used, as Mike indicated, I think one of the benefits we really do have is the sourcing. So used is a lot about having the inventory. Um, with 85% of our inventory being sourced directly from customers versus many of the peers are 50% or less, uh, I think that clearly does serve us well and, and positions us well for 2021. Uh, and on the on the uh, let me dissect a little bit customer care i think you asked specifically about customer pay and warranty so if you look at the fourth quarter the entire customer care business was down about 3% uh customer pay in that same general uh direction's down a little bit uh, more but not much warranty similar kind of in the same zip code if you will uh internal again being the area that actually saw a positive growth again associated with the volumes of units and as indicated, collision really is the area that has uh, dragged, if you will, the slowest to recover with miles down 10%, collision down a little bit greater than that. Um, again, I think as the miles recover, uh, we'll see that portion of the business in particular improve and are, are very uh, optimistic about customer care uh, as we go through 2021. Got it.
4: That's helpful. And the customer pay and warranty, uh, you know, just down slightly in the fourth quarter. Uh, did it, did it exit uh, at positive rates in December and into January here, or is that still, uh, still comping down, from the year over your perspective here
3: recently? It's, it's still slightly comping down, but the trend continues to be a positive one.
4: Got it. But that, that's super helpful. Thanks for the color. And then, you know, just in Automation USA, you know, any metrics you can share so far? You know, what the price stores, you know, what the profitability was in the quarter, uh, you know, like what, what the units, units are looking like there today and, you know, just the economics of those, uh, as, as, you know, they continue to mature, uh, over the last, uh, over the last couple
3: of years. Joe, you take that, please. Sure. Um, so the, the five existing stores, uh, continue to operate, uh, successfully. And as, as you know, those were kind of a five sample stores, if you will. We indicated uh, the pre-tax slightly below $2 kind of run rate. Um, again, continues to be very positive what we're seeing. And as we roll out the five new locations set to open this year, um, increasingly optimistic. The uh, forecast that we provided previously about units, uh, about the monthly pre-tax, uh, we feel very good about. Uh, and so we continue to believe that the monthly pre-tax when it gets to a full run rate is in the $200,000 a month area. Um and, uh, very positive about the economics and very encouraged by, uh, from a real estate and build standpoint, the progress we're making.
4: Got it. Uh, great. Uh, that's, that's super helpful. Thanks for all the color. Uh, I'll get back in it. Thank you.
3: Thank you.
0: Your next question comes from Stephanie Benjamin from Truist. Your line is open. Hi, good morning.
3: Good morning. Good morning.
0: I wanted to touch a little bit on your decision to exit your room investment. Just curious, um, you know, from the timing of that or, you know, if that played out, um, you know, based on your expectations and how we should think about, you know, what this means for our future investments going forward.
2: Excellent question. Glad you asked. So, uh, look, we are we are not an investment enterprise. When we made uh, the partnership with the room it was with the hope that we would find synergetic common grounds to work together, whether that was in our expertise, reconditioning, digital, whatever. We just thought there could be some mutual benefit for the two companies and that, we could do something together. Well, none of that worked out. And um, so then it became purely an investment, which is really not uh, what we intended. And, you know, once it was clear this was just an investment that the companies would not be doing business together, um, we decided to um, declare victory and move on. And, I think we originally invested 15, 50, 5, 0, 50 million and, and, uh, finished, um, receiving, Joe, was it 215 million we got back? Something like that.
3: Yeah, now, 215
2: and, in total. 215 in total. So an excellent investment, but there were the two companies on an operating basis were doing nothing together. Nothing. So, uh, the, the, the correct decision was to exit the position. Now the other investment we have is Waymo. And I can tell you on an operating basis, we, we are doing things together that is interesting and can lead to something. So we stay on that journey, and we're optimistic and hopeful that all that works out. But I want to be clear, um, we only took these two steps because we thought the companies could do business together that was win-win from both companies. When it was clear with Maroon that was not the case, we exited the position.
0: Got it. No, that, that's very helpful. And then just uh, my second question on your SG&A performance, um, you know, on an adjusted level, another record quarter, and certainly well below your target or, you know, kind of that sub-68%. Is there any, um, you know, desire to now lower your own long-term target, just given your performance the last two quarters, or how would you kind of – chalk up your outlook going forward, just given the performance you've seen the last two quarters. Thank you.
2: The performance is uh, outstanding, um, but that uh, doesn't mean today we're going to lower the uh, the target uh, from 68. We'll, we'll be at 68 or below. That's our commitment. And so far we're doing pretty good on our commitment. I can tell you that, you um, we feel the steps we've taken over the last two years have dramatically improved the cost efficiency and effectiveness of automation on a sustainable basis. And we, um, we'll see how the actual numbers come in, but we really like our position. But as far as moving the goalposts today on the 68, uh, we're not doing that. Um, Joe, what would you like to add?
3: Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, so uh, Mike is, is absolutely correct. We have clearly um, realized the benefits of prior investments and uh, I think a, a better discipline in running the business. So as you look at SG&A, I mean, growth was up $88 million and SG&A was down 17. That's remarkable leverage, obviously. Uh, but it comes across really all three categories of SG&A, um, compensation, Uh, Again, made some difficult decisions um, through the pandemic, operating with uh, fewer people. Uh, I think learning how to do that very effectively, leveraging technology both in the store and in the back office. So we had compensation, despite obviously a significant portion of the compensation being variable down, 380 basis points uh, year over year. Uh, Clearly an area we're seeing benefit in digital uh, is in advertising. Uh, brought that down 80 basis points year over year, and while we still advertise, I think uh, to a greater degree than many of our peers, I think the results and the uh, success in the business is reflective of that. So I think we've been very prudent in finding the right level, albeit a reduced level, and leveraging our capabilities. Uh, and then finally, overhead um, again difficult decisions in uh, in people, and then a discipline in within the uh, the overhead uh driving that down 350 basis points. So from my perspective, you know, driving it down over 800 basis points really across all three categories is a commitment we've made into a in a change in operating. Uh, and as Mike said, we are committed to continue to operate uh, at or below 68%. Great.
0: Thank you guys so much. You bet. Your next question comes from Rick Nelson from Stevens. Your line is open.
3: Uh, thanks a lot uh, good morning guys. like to to ask you about about the acquisition environment uh, what you're seeing there in terms of opportunities, you know what kind of brands uh, geographies you're looking at, and uh, multiples uh, that you're seeing yeah, um,
2: we definitely have A lot of conversations going on, a lot of negotiations, and I fully expect we'll have some new vehicle franchise acquisitions uh, this year. Um, But I'm not going to put a specific uh, number on it. Um, We're very happy with the, the footprint we have in new vehicles, and we spent a lot of time, Rick, as you know, optimizing that. And one of the reasons for our success today is, that we really took the time to go through every store we had and decided if they fit or not. I, I would say the number one issue when we look at an acquisition is whether it will be a cultural fit with AutoNation or is it a complete reinvention of the dealership uh, in order to meet our operating standards uh, and how we do business. I would say that's most important. And then, of course, We're very comfortable adding within our existing infrastructure with new vehicle franchises. I don't expect much outside that, but but we'd be open to doing it. And, of course, we're very disciplined on uh, the cost side. And you have to be careful around multiples because 2020 is a very odd year to base anything off of. You sort of have to go back and look at 18 and 19 and what the world was like. Um, So that's our approach. And um, so I think we can do all of the above, build the USA stores, invest in our digital capabilities, uh, keep all our existing stores fresh, do some new vehicle uh, acquisitions, and um, repurchase our stock, which we think is very attractive.
3: Uh, Thanks for that color. One of your peers uh, talked about the potential for public uh, company consolidation. I'd like to get your view on that and whether you think the OEMs uh, would be supportive of something like that.
2: So I'll give you my view. Uh, What I've experienced is that... When you become as large as we are and you make an acquisition, pick, say, brand Z, and you already own 25 brand Z stores and you want to buy number 26 and 27, in the negotiation with the manufacturer, they will ask, okay, we'll improve number 26 to number 27, but let me tell you what you have to do from store one through 25 in order to get approval for the next increment, and if you really add that demand onto what you're acquiring, it really changes the the return on investment. Uh, and so, uh, the higher you climb the mountain, the more difficult it becomes to keep climbing. Now, we're the only one over 20 billion revenue, so I'm talking from a point of view that no one else has experienced yet that's our experience it's one of the reasons for us um, having to uh, uh, going to the Autonation USA stores is uh, because now we are in charge of our own destiny uh, we're able to build these stores for nine10 million dollars each we do not need manufacturer approval all we need is a brand a great customer experience and the digital ability to penetrate a market, and the size of the market is much larger. So I'm in charge of my own fate, my own destiny. I don't need manufacturer approval that goes all the way back to the beginning of time. Um, And all I need is the capability to to execute. And we've gone through the most difficult period, which is building the brand, uh, perfecting the customer experience, having a digital capability. Um, So uh that is on an on a, on, on a invested capital return return on invested capital is a very winning equation, and one of the reasons for it is spot on Rick, what you just called out. Our experience is when you get over 20 billion and the number of stores you have, not in the thing you can't get manufactured. But, well, you can, but uh, it's, it's quite a negotiation.
3: That uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, thanks and good luck. Thank you.
0: Your next question comes from Adam Jonas from Morgan Stanley. Your line is open.
6: Hey, Mike. Uh, first, best
2: of hey, luck.
0: Hey, Adam. Uh, good
6: morning. Uh, hey, good morning. Best of luck with a new chapter. Uh, I'm sure we're not going to see the last of you. So, um, uh, thank best you. Best luck. Yeah. Best thank you. Thank so, you. Thank you. Got, you got a lot more more to share, um, Mike. I'm curious. Why are so many startup um, EV OEMs going, either going direct to consumer or planning to go direct to consumer? And when we put them on the spot, at least saying, "Hey, why don't you use an auto nation or a, you know some of the best of breed existing franchises to really get the leverage and time to market and stuff?" You know, why, why, are, you, why are you going B2C um, by yourself? Why do you think that is? Are they, are they are they foolish?
2: Yeah. So I think they're making a mistake. And um no. uh, and, and I think, I think the verdict is close to coming in, uh, Adam, quite frankly. So what you avoid by going the route of are going is the massive cost of investing in a customer care infrastructure for a very sophisticated, technically complex product. And by the way, this thought that electric vehicles uh, will not need care, is also a uh, folly. As a matter of fact, they are more complex than any internal combustion vehicle I've seen as far as the expertise and the equipment you need, because we're investing heavily with all the manufacturers to be able to care for electric vehicles. So if you want to skip that whole infrastructure footprint to care for your customers, um, you can do that by the route that Tesla has gone and some others have gone. But, listen, we're taking Teslas in trade all the time, and one of the number one issues we hear when, when, when they trade it in is that they're just frustrated at the lack of a enjoyable customer care experience for when something does go wrong. And um, so I, I think that's what they're trying to bypass But I think it's a mistake, and I think it will be proven wrong. And I think the strength of the win-win-win equation of the new vehicle franchise, a win for consumers, a win for the manufacturers, and it can be a good investment for dealers and publicly traded investment groups, has been proven as far as our sustainability, viability, and value in the marketplace. So, you can go to our website today, autonation.com, you'll see a huge flag for electrification. All the vehicles we offer from all the various manufacturers, we're in the game, and I think this model will uh, uh, is viable, will win, and others will ultimately have to deal with this issue of how, how are they going to
1: care for their customers. Got it, Mike. Thanks. Thanks for your thoughts. Right.
0: Your next question comes from David Whiston from Morningstar. Your line is open.
6: Uh, Thanks. Good morning. Um, I guess I wanted to go back to the earlier comment on consolidation. And just another thing I've been hearing some chatter about um, would would be if if, if there were consolidation amongst the public's, that those larger players could effectively block out the digital startups on use vehicle inventory, at least on late model use. I was just curious, do you agree or disagree
5: with that?
2: So, the whole um, issue of consolidation and whether two smaller public traded companies could come together, uh, you know, um, I can't say because I don't have one of the smaller ones. Uh, but I can tell you, as far as us acquiring one, I don't see that it's going to happen because you immediately run into a problem of too much density in a given market that um, you're going to have to divest a significant part of what you just bought. Uh, At least that would be for us. So um, overlap, uh, too much density in a given market, is a real genuine issue for us, and so we will not be acquiring another public traded company. I don't see a path to the finish line. Um, And your other point was what? Question?
3: The, the, well, that was basically I was.
6: Uh, well, I was talking, talking about the, the, the basically could form the market on late model use inventory and block out the carbonas and other digital oh. starts from getting the able
2: uh, inventory. I the phone broke up, so I didn't really hit the uh, hear the answer, but I can tell you who do I think wins in this huge pre-owned marketplace. Um, I, I I think companies that have a a brand with a great customer experience and digital capability will take share in this huge pre-owned marketplace from everyone else. I think that's what's happening. And then you have to say, well, does my model make money or not? So we've already proven our model makes money. CarMax's model makes money. Uh, so, um, but I think, um, brand, great experience and digital capability is a, is a winning combination. In the pre-owned marketplace.
3: I uh, think
6: that's helpful. And then on electric vehicles, can you just talk a little bit about, especially given your places like Texas and Florida, um, in addition to the EV-friendly California market, just outside of the Tesla demand, how much demand is there for for EVs? Is it, is it really ramping up, you've seen them in the past year or two, or is it still really trailing Tesla? No, we're
2: we're definitely past uh, an inflection point on the journey to electrification, uh, and there's no turning back. But it is gradual. If you want some numbers for me, I think if you go to 2030, 20% of all new vehicles sold will be fully electric. However, this is not like going from the flip phone to the smartphone, where you throw away all the flip phones. Uh, I think Then 6% of the units in operation on the roads of America are all electric by 2030. Internal combustion engines going to have a lifespan of 20, 25 years. It's not obsolete from one day to the next. There is a huge segment of consumers that um, uh, the affordable transportation that will come uh, with the existing internal combustion engines will go on for years and years and years. So the transition for units in operations is a, is a decade-long process. The other insight I can give you, as far as our customers who are buying electric vehicles, what they like about it, as long as, as well as all the obvious things, is they like not going to the gas station anymore. And as long as you have a range of 250 miles uh, plus, um, what they how they use the vehicle is uh, they use it for daily use, and when they get home, the end of the day, they plug it in. At their, at their, in either in their garage or the parking unit in the condo. And every morning they come out and they got a fully charged vehicle and they never go to the gas station. They're just delighted. And all our customers who do buy electric and use it that way have another vehicle. They'll have a Suburban or some other vehicle with an internal combustion engine and use that for long trips and going around. So I think the, um, journey to electrification is here. We embrace it. We're going to be part of it. We're excited with what the manufacturers have in the pipeline, uh, everything from uh, the Hummer to the Mustang Mach and Volkswagen, Taycan is a
6: sensation. The list goes on and on. It's very exciting business to be in. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of cool change coming, and I'm hearing great things about some of these ones you just mentioned. Um, staying on EVs, though, in your opinion, change the demand for leasing perhaps in a negative way because there's more residual value risk for the – the Captain finance arm, and maybe they'll want to pull back on these things. We haven't seen that yet. Um, so,
2: so far, the residual values on electric vehicles are fine. I, I see no yellow flags or red flags.
6: Okay. Well, thanks for the call. I appreciate it.
2: Absolutely.
0: There are no further questions at this time. I would like to turn the call over to management for closing remarks.
2: Well, we have no closing remarks other than we're delighted you joined us today. Thank you very much for your questions. All the best. Thank you.
0: This concludes today's conference call. You may now just Tonight. Tonight.